What's going on? This is Louis Angel right here with AE Mind, and check this out. I have a few special guests with us here today. Uh, we have the world memory champ, two-time now world memory champ, and medical student extraordinaire, Miss Kathy Molin and Alex Molin. What's going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Hey, yeah, hey, Louis. Thanks for having us. Okay. Yeah, thank you guys for... Okay, now, um, for those of you that, that saw the previous interview, I interviewed Alex, and we focused mainly on the memory side, the memory sports side of, of his what he specializes in. Um, we briefly talked about what he's doing as a student. Uh, so for this interview, we're actually going to focus and dive more into that aspect of, of, the, of his world, which uh, is, you know, how to take the memory techniques that he uses to become, you know, and break world records and become champions and also Kathy uses um, as they go on and, and teach students how to improve their memories. We're going to focus more in that aspect of, of their world. So, um, again, thank you guys for, for joining me and uh, we're about to dive right into this. Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, you guys are now both in this world, right? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> Kathy, did, did Alex kind of just drag you into this world of memory? Um, or was it something that you also were like, oh, this is interesting, I want to learn it on my own? Well, I think um, from the start, I didn't really have a choice. Alex talks about it all the time, <laughs> but I was definitely interested <laughs> in seeing, you know, we're both in med school and we were both in college and studying really hard. So even as he was starting out, I think we were both kind of interested in seeing how we could use these techniques to improve our studying experience. Right. And, and Alex, so when you got into it, I know that you were reading a book uh, by Joshua Four, Moonwalking with Einstein. Mm -hmm. that, was that like their first introduction to this world of, of memory improvement and memory sports? Yeah, pretty much. So I, I, you know, when I was a junior in college, I, well, I, I cracked open that book, you know, and that was really what got me into it. Never heard of memory techniques before that. And, you know, initially was interested by, you know, the fact that I could apply the techniques to school, hopefully to, you know, to remember you know, material for exams and things like that better. And after a little bit of time, <laughs> kind of forgot about that and, and went and focused on memory sports and, and competing and trying to, you know, memorize cards and numbers and other <laughs> useless things like that. Um, <laughs> but, and then eventually I kind of, you know, turned back and said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to really apply these techniques to, to my school. Uh, so hopefully I can, you know, actually use them in an effective way because I had kind of struggled to use them at the beginning. And, you know, that, that was something where Kathy and I kind of worked together on that. So, you know, once I kind of came back uh, and at the beginning of medical school started to apply these techniques again, you know, we, we sort of worked on it together and said, you know, what can we do uh, to make it work? You know, which, which pieces of the techniques aren't working, which ones are? And we kind of experimented and found uh, a method that we both used. You know, obviously everybody uses memory techniques slightly differently, but the method we use now is pretty similar um, based on kind of sharing things between each other. Right, and that's a great thing to have because uh, you know we we have many friends in this world, uh, memory sports, and some just focus solely on competing and going to these memory competitions and just training for that. And then we have friends that focus on the education side of this, how to really apply this to real world experiences, uh, and in particular education. So right. that's good that you went out there and you mastered essentially both worlds, uh, you know. And then now you guys can partner up and and really share those ideas and be like, okay, how can we really apply this to to learning things faster because at the end of the day, I think, and, and that's what, you know, got me into this sport. It wasn't because I wanted to go out and, and, and memorize a deck of cards in a matter of minutes for you at seconds. <laughs> um, but it was because I wanted to, you know, do better in school. I was struggling in school. So 
um, for me, that was my mindset going into this. And then also like you, I got kind of distracted a little bit because I wanted, once I fell in love with the sport, I was like, I want to like really get better <laughs> at it. Uh, um, and, and then now I'm like coming back to, to you know, uh, focusing on learning materials. So uh, for you, Kathy, seeing Alex go through this journey and, you know, seeing him be super committed to, you know, improving his scores in the memory sport world, um, what kind of motivation was that for you um, as a student and, you know, now as a medical student as well? You mean like seeing, him... seeing Alex's improvement and his successes in the memory sports? Right. How's that been? Yeah. Um, well, I think just on a basic level, you know, in life, I think I, because I see Alex train every day, I think it's been very motivational, not just from an academic standpoint, but from a, you know, how I would like to live my life standpoint. Alex is very <laughs> dedicated um, and he's very dis self-disciplined, which I think is very useful in learning. So that's definitely helped me try to be more, you know, conscious about how I choose to work and very disciplined. Yeah. Not as good as Alex about it, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually, before we even dive into how to, you know, give students the tips and tricks and everything else uh, to help them out at school, let's go into your guys' story <laughs> because <laughs> you guys are married now. Uh, you guys are, you know, taking over this world right now and, you know, memory and, and education. But you guys actually met at a very young age in school, in a preschool, right? Yeah. Was that like your first introduction to each other where you guys first met? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we did meet in preschool. We went to Willie Price daycare. That's right. In, in Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi. Mississippi. Super yeah. random. Um, but yeah, so we met uh, in preschool, but we don't really remember each other from then. He's not the memory um, champ back then. So. Yeah, more of just like an <laughs> annoying brat. Uh, there's and so there's this one memory that we have where, or not a memory. We actually have a home video of this to prove it. We don't remember it at all. But um, <laughs> Kathy's doing some kind of presentation, like show, and show and tell type thing, um, demonstrating some Taiwanese dances. It's really just um, me. Like... Really just Kathy's dances to Taiwanese music. Um, <laughs> And you can you can see that video, and then you can see me sort of sitting off to the side, uh, and it's pretty clear that, that I'm losing interest fast, and my head's starting to droop, and I'm getting pretty bored. And then he fell in love, um, and then we were married. Yeah, and then right, and then so maybe like you know, I don't know, ten years later, we we kind of got to know each other better in high school, and and it was sort of towards the end of high school that we started dating, and uh, and eventually got married. This past year, yeah. <laughs> so wait, did you guys go to the same elementary school as well after preschool? or did Alex like went split? to a private school in our town. But you know, our town is very small, so we we yeah. interacted a lot even though we didn't go to the same school. We did karate together. You're right. We And so eventually we were both on the swim team, which was our uh, probably biggest... Extracurricular. Extracurricular for, <laughs> for both of us. And, and so that was obviously yeah. a... A time that we got to spend a lot of time together and we did we did a lot of projects together you know like this mullen memory project really isn't our first one we yeah we did um we did so all sorts of weird things prior to mullen memory we did all <laughs> other manner of nerdy projects um <laughs> such as the science fair so we you know we would work like our you know sophomore and i guess senior year we didn't do anything junior we we did like a, a group science fair project together um so we've been yeah we've been kind of we doing did like a, a piano stuff. competition once do you right, that? like a duet piano thing. We did, um, yeah. So right. doing projects together is kind of <laughs> right. Thing. It's been your life story, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> doing, 
Yeah. And, and uh, so then it's not just high school sweethearts. You guys are pretty much just all around young young couple that stuck together and uh, are now, you know, you have your own project, uh, which is a Molly Memory. So uh, now prior to getting the idea to start that up, Molly Memory, so you guys are in university, right? Fast forward several years, you guys are in university. Um, did both of you go to John Hopkins? No, I went to Princeton. Yeah. yeah okay. So we went to different schools. Luckily, they're like <laughs> sort of close, like maybe a two hour, three hour train ride. Um, so we were able to kind of visit each other on, on weekends and things like that. Um, but we, yeah, so we did go to separate colleges. And then for med school, we, we, we finally got back Purposely, together again yeah. uh, at the University <laughs> of Mississippi. And Which so is where we're from. That's where we are right now in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, so then you guys are now there. Um, so did the idea of Molly Memory come about when you guys were in med school already, or were you guys already thinking about that beforehand? I think it got started in med school. Yeah. yeah. So like, like I said, yeah. we, you know, I, I had been kind of playing around with the techniques for a while, going back to my junior year of college, um, but I, I didn't really, I didn't really kind of apply myself in earnest to using the techniques for my studies and for for school until we were getting ready to go to med school. So after we kind of graduated already. Uh, and I think part of that is because I, we were both engineering majors in college and it's, I mean, it's certainly true that memory techniques are obviously a little more useful for things that are more suitable, that are more, um, you know, memorization heavy, um, of which, mem you know, engineering is, is not as much. Um, so when we got back to med school, we said, okay, let's really apply ourselves and, and get this stuff together. <laughs> well, I did try it in junior year one. Yeah, Kathy actually. So I had a class that was much more, you know, these techniques were much more applicable for, which was biochem right. Right. junior year. So that was kind of, you know, you might, Alex was starting then. And so I tried it and it was like an epic failure because we just didn't have a real <laughs> idea of, you know, what to do. And so I was like, Alex said, you know, I'm doing these techniques. I said, let's try it for my class. And I still remember that palace a little bit, but I think at the time it discouraged us a tad because we didn't you know, we didn't really have what we have now, which is like a better idea of how it works. Right. right. And it's a lot of just trial and error, really, because, um, you know, when you try like, you know, you're trying it out and even, you know, it, it works really well when you're memorizing just set piece of information, like you said, previously useless data, memorizing cards, you know, you can get your pictures and that's pretty easy to just store on a location. But when you get this mass amount of data, and I've looked at some of the courses um, that you guys have to take as medical students and man, is it a lot yeah. to learn and memorize absolutely <laughs> um, and just to consume so like yeah to to look at that and, and ask yourself how can i really take these techniques and apply it to to learning actual information um even as a memory athlete and a and a very successful memory athlete that can really um you know deter you from from really pushing forward um in the beginning right so when you were um so now in medical school what are some of the techniques that you've used or what are some of the refine refinements that you've made um, to learning the information that, that, you're, uh, that you're learning in school with the techniques? Yeah, um, you wanna take this one? Yeah, so just like a really big one, um, I think we're better at taking notes on how we do it. So in the beginning, we weren't sure, you know, should I be writing down all these images I, I take or um, should I be not just kind of reviewing it randomly? So now we have a very specific way where we take the information that we want to learn and then we, um, you know, as we'll get into later, probably convert them into images. And now we have a very specific way that we record it 
um, in our notes so that later when we come back, it's easier to recapture what we were, you know, visualizing. Yeah. And, and, and my, my kind of thinking about this is, you know, going back to a little bit of the frustrations that we had starting out, you know, I, one of the first palaces that I made was for our, basically our first biochemistry test. Um, and basically the, the thing that I ran into, first of all, I, I made images for pretty much everything on the test and, and that turned out to be a huge mistake. Um, hmm. and, and so basically the way we do it now is we, we really try to, you know, when we, when we learn the material, we really try to think about it, you know, just, just from a conceptual standpoint as, as, as well as we can first, and then really distill it down into the specific things that are hard to remember, um, you know, or are very important to remember sort of in a listicle type fashion. Uh, and then we really just encode those specific things. Um, so that, that was kind of our first big, big realization. Um, because basically what I found was that I would, I would come back a few weeks later and then be like, you know, now that I've got a, gotten a little bit better handle on this material and how it works, I'm really not even accessing, you know, let's say two thirds of the images. I'm, you know, that's stuff I already sure. know now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's become pretty much second nature to me. So I felt like my palaces were clogged up with all this information that was sort of intuitive to me at that point. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, just kind of going back to that idea of really encoding those things that are hard to remember um, and that will, you know, maybe still be hard to remember even two weeks, three weeks down the road. That's almost not even like a memory palace thing too, you know? I think like if you learn about studying, it's asking yourself to really think through the concepts first and really make sure you understand the material. But the memory palace does help us reinforce that behavior. Right, so I mean, we even think of that as a way to sort of help, you know, the memory palace as a way of helping out our critical thinking because it kind of forces you to sit down and say, okay, what what in this material makes sense and doesn't really need a memory technique and, and what, you know, doesn't really have any intuition behind it and just needs to be memorized. So that can kind of force you to, to think about those differences. Um, yeah, and then the other, the other just to round, wrap up this one question that I've been going on forever about, um, <laughs> The other, the other, oh, this big, is good, man. This is the good. other big kind of, you know, going back to that initial biochem test, the other thing was that I would come back to the material after like two or three weeks and, you know, a lots of images would be kind of useless at that point, like I said, and then B, I would have basically forgotten a lot of it just because I hadn't really reviewed the material. So I'd come back and, you know, I'd remember like, you know, 30, 40% of the images and the rest would just be these hazy blobs. Um, and that really was frustrating to me. And, and the conclusion there was really that, even when you're using memory techniques, you still need to review the material properly um, to make it stick. If you really want it to stick long-term, memory palace or not, you're still gonna have to review it. And so that was the second big conclusion that we made. That's that's amazing because it, a lot of people think this when they you know come to us um, to learn how to do this. They see us uh, you know performing these amazing feats. Uh, very quickly, like oh, you can memorize, you know, for, well, for you specifically, Alex, you can memorize, you know, thousands of digits of numbers and cool. Can, you know, how can I apply that and uh, to school? And you know, once I and I go through that once, that's it. I never have to look at that information again. <laughs> at least that's. A, I don't know if you've ever gotten that from some of the students that you teach, where like you just kind of they, they're expecting you to just wave a magic wand and to learn these, you know, learn the memory techniques and just apply that information or apply that to their study once and that's it, they know that information forever. But that's not necessarily the case. As you just said, you still need to go through the process of reviewing the information. Um, our brain learns best when we can imagine it. Uh, like we'll, we'll go through some examples right now, but it also learn, uh, like takes that short information from short to memory to long to memory when it sees it several times over and over again, right? 
Exactly. Um, yeah. So now, so now, <laughs> you gave a, a, a Kathy. You also gave another great point there about um, oh, both of you did. So when you're studying the information and you're going through, it, especially let's say the first time through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're saying not to necessarily apply the techniques right away. Because I've had those situations, even for myself, when I'm like tr- trying to learn something new, um, I'll try to like figure it out right away with the memory techniques, meaning I'll try to visualize every single little thing that I'm memorizing. But like you said, you tried that uh, and it wasn't as successful as you might've hoped for. Um, so that's another great tip for students out there. It's like, you know, you, you go through the material, you, you try to conceptualize it as best as you possibly can, and then you apply the memory techniques. So is there, um, when you actually get to the specifics, do you guys have some examples right now on how you actually take what, you, uh, what you've done in the memory world and apply it to the studies? Yeah, we have some examples. Yeah, do you wanna take the first one? Or I, I kind of came yeah, up with the first kinda, so, Yeah, why don't you do um, that? Let me do that. So yeah, so we, um, you know, <laughs> we pretty much use the techniques when we're studying anything these days. So, you know, one, mm-hmm. one easy example of that is when you're learning anatomy. So anatomy is obviously a very uh, memorization heavy discipline. And unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, anatomy was one of those courses that we took right at the beginning uh, of med school, and we hadn't really nailed down the techniques too well. So, full yeah. disclosure, this is an example that I just came up with um, because <laughs> you know we don't have any that many great ones from from anatomy. But uh, you know, ha- going back to anatomy, if I were to retake it, I definitely would use it. Um, so here's a quick one. So, uh, you know, in medicine, and if you're talking about the digestive tract, there's basically three sections. Uh, that people split it into. One is called the foregut, and then the midgut and the hindgut. So foregut, midgut, hindgut. Um, you know, so foregut sort of starting at your at your mouth and going down your esophagus. And not to get into too many specifics, but um, you know, one thing you might want to have to remember is the blood supply and the nervous system innervation for each of those sections. So they, you know, part of the reason they're split up into those categories is because they each have a unique blood supply and innervation. So, you know, let's just go through those real quick. So, um, you know, lo- looking kind of at the at the room behind us, you know, what, what would happen in the actual memorization process for us is we would see that, you know, information and decide, OK, I want to commit this to memory using memory techniques uh, and then say, you know, in our palace at the time, we might be imagining that we're in this particular room. So let's just use that, I guess, as an illustration. Um, so for each foregut, midgut and hindgut, I would use one locus for each of the those pieces. So maybe the first locus that I choose is the ceiling for foregut. So the ceiling would be my foregut locus. Uh, and then uh, the blood supply to the to the foregut is the celiac artery. So part of the reason why I chose the ceiling is because it sounds sort of like celiac. So I, I can just imagine that because it's the ceiling, I think of celiac artery. Uh, and then the innervation is the vagus nerve, uh, cranial nerve 10. So, you know, for that one, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of vagus nerve is like the the welcome to Las Vegas sign or is it yeah is it Viva Las Vegas or welcome, it's welcome to, Las to Las Vegas yeah, the, I think it's well, well, you know the kind of like you know the famous sort of diamond looking sign um, so I imagine that that you know that Vegas sign is hanging from the ceiling so now you know in this ceiling locus I've got ceiling for celiac artery and the Vegas sign for vagus nerve um, so that would be my kind of foregut locus there. Uh, moving would you create an image for for gut? Yeah, or so that's a good would you question. just like n- know that it, okay, this I know that this is for gut or would it be an actual image? So that that's kind of a subtle thing that we that we deal with often, you know, whether or not you kind of encode the the, the topic. topic. Yeah. Um and yeah. and you know what I might recommend for kind of people starting out is is to do that more. 
to, to if you have you know kind of a doubt about it, just go ahead and encode the topic as well. Um, so maybe you know for four gut, maybe you imagine like you know Forehand. a number four kind of painted on the ceiling, something like that. Um, basically, what we've found is that when you when you kind of do this process of reviewing a lot, like I mentioned before, you find that the, the your association of the topic to the locations becomes very natural. So, you know, once you've reviewed a few times that this particular room houses the foregut, midgut, hindgut material, it, it, it's almost yeah. unnecessary to it have that encoded. It feels like that. That's, and, and of right. course there's no perfect way to do it, but that's that's the strategy that we've kind of fallen into is, you know, not really encoding that as, as much. And both of you have found that this this works, right? It's not like, oh, Alex, it works for Alex because he's, he, he memorizes so often you as well, right, Kathy? Like this process, um, it, it, like you just said, it feels like this is the foregut. It feels like this is the midgut area. Um, right. So you, you, do you also not have to um, always encode the, the actual topic, Kathy? Yeah, I don't have to. I think when we both started out, one of the things we tried was encoding. But for me, you know, and that's one thing that we like to talk about is Alex is the world memory champion, but I'm just, you know, the world memory champion's wife. Like, you know, so <laughs> I, I don't I do not do these techniques competitively, but it definitely works for me. And just the other day, we were in our hometown and we, you know, sprinkled these palaces all over our hometown where we grew up. And we were just driving around and we were like, oh my gosh, like it just feels like cardiac stuff here. You know, you kind of have that sense. Mm. And one thing we even thought was pretty funny was we've been walking around in these places in our minds so much that it almost feels like we've been there recently, you know? Yeah. So it's I, you such know, a I, weird feeling. I had mentioned before. It is. <laughs> that we, we recently went to Baltimore, which is where I went to college at Johns Hopkins. And um, it was weird because I, I haven't been there in, in almost three years now, but I would go back to some of these places on my, my you know, home campus and and feel like I was just there because I had been, you know, using it for, for so various actively things, using which, is, it. which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. that is weird. I memorized um, the Avengers movie or like scenes from the Avengers. I use that as a memory palace and and I use that. Uh, what did I use that? The World Memory Competition for cards. Uh, so I was training for that heavily, that like that route specifically. And then uh, I just saw a poster of the Avengers uh, somewhere, I don't know where, but I saw the poster and then it just triggered like the entire movie just kind of flashed in my mind. I was like, oh, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's so true. Like if, 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 and it, it triggered like memories from the world. It feels like, like it, yeah. Mind. Exactly. Um, because we, we use it like so often and so much, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now, okay, so uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, so you're creating, uh, let's, let's um, go into like creating these locations or palaces mm -hmm. um, because I think that's very critical for, uh, for everyone really. Uh, for, for us as memory athletes, we have to create a lot when we have to, uh, when, we, when we train for these competitions because, you know, we, we can't just use one palace or one location set uh, to memorize, you know, 10 decks of cards. Um, we need to create a lot more than that. So it, it makes sense for us as memory athletes to create more locations. But for students, that's where I think um, a lot of them get discouraged because like, oh, do I, do I have to have a thousand locations or <laughs> these memory palaces to memorize, you know, say just my body uh, or my an, an, anatomical, anatom how do you say it? No, anatomical, anatomical structures. structures. Yeah, yeah, Anatom okay. <laughs> anatomical structure. Do I have to have all these palaces? Um, so what would you guys answer to a question like that? You know, do I really have to spend hours and hours creating these locations or can I just settle on, you know, one set location and then reuse those locations? What would you guys uh, say to that? So we, 
if it's something that we want to commit long term, we generally do not reuse locations. And that's just because kind of back to the concept we were talking about, we want that place to re retain that feeling, you know, those those concepts that we wanted to memorize. So we don't overwrite um, in response to, you know, oh, do I have to sit down and think of hundreds and thousands of palaces? Um, we usually say it's easier than you think it is um, because there's just so many places, right? Like that, that you've been and you know, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, actually accurate. You just have to be able to think of it and think of the same loci every time. Um, so. Yeah. And, and quickly going back to some of the like, you know, big quote unquote discoveries that we made about how to use the techniques. One of the big things that we do is we 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 have a sort of a brainstormed list of palaces that we might want to use. So you know we've gone back you know some time ago and said like okay you know my my home in Oxford, my home in Jackson, my you know movie theater libraries whatever, and just kind of listed those out. But we don't really actually think of the loci within those palaces. So you know we don't we don't like for for memory sports competitions and things. I know every single locus in every palace, and I built it that way specifically because that's how I want to use it in the competitions. But for a learning purpose, you know, maybe if I'm learning pathology, um, I'll just pull up that that brainstorm list and say, okay, I'm going to use my my neighborhood right here for for this first you know block of pathology, and then I'll start somewhere and I'll just choose the loci in the moment as I'm learning the material based on based on what I think is worth knowing in that area. So like, you know, maybe I'm talking about you know acute inflammation, and there's like you know, five main components of acute inflammation. So I'll use the house across the street and I'll do kind of one thing in each of the rooms of that house. Um, and, I, and so we don't, we don't like, there's no like, you know, palace building phase where we think of thousands of loci ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You know, we just do it as we, gotcha. as we go through the material. I think that's also useful because it lends kind of a natural flow to it. If I'm just kind of mentally popping myself down, you know, on our town main street and I'm learning about cardiology, everything kind of flows from there as I'm walking down. It also goes with the way I'm kind of learning it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So it's also geographically oh, that... located in my mind. Yeah. Got it. It's helpful. Okay. So it's not like, yeah. Sorry, it, it's helpful. Just one last point. It's helpful for, for organization a lot, you know, because we can, and this is part of the one, of, this is one of the reasons we, we like to use palaces rather than just images, you know, just links, um, is that we can use the palace to our advantage to organize the material. So, you know, what I just said about, you know, using the foregut, megut, and hindgut in this room, if we want to, you know, in the future, if we want to encode any kind of information about those things, then we can always come back Return. to this specific room and think, okay, this room has got all the info we want to know about it. Um, and, and, you know, in that way, we can we can make sure that the material is organized in a nice, tidy way. Uh, so then at that point, will you guys, because Kathy, you said earlier that you don't like reuse locations, <laughs> but will that be kind of the exception where you want to add on to the material already in that in that say palace or in that room yeah yeah we you know i would i wouldn't go back to the same locus per se but i would find something else in there and add it in or maybe have it interact with an image i already have existing but but not you know overriding it right exactly so like if we were using the ceiling here for foregut and then maybe there was another piece of info we wanted to add we might come down and just use the window right here as another locus kind of in association with foregut and it's actually pretty easy because, you know, it's like you can have multiple memories of things happening in your living room and it's not like it overrides it, you know, you mean you can still remember it. So, okay, uh, let me, let me kind of counter that a little bit um, 
Be, well, from my own experiences, meaning like I, I, I use, I reuse these locations for like when I'm learning, you know, certain information. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think when I was memorizing the presidents, I reused a specific set of locations and then I actually applied uh, the periodic table of elements to that same route. So for me, I was able to distinguish the two because I knew like, I don't know, I could kind of link them together. Like I knew if I saw a washing machine, right, I knew that that it wasn't going to be hydrogen for my first app for the first element, meaning I wasn't going to confuse the element and the president. Have you guys had any, have you guys actually like attempted to store multiple sets of different topics on say, let's say right here, this is, we'll, we'll stick with this example, the mid gut and all mm-hmm. that. Um, the, w- have you guys already attempted to store different things along say this specific route or a, a, a route that you guys already used for a different piece of information and then store something else? And then what were, what was the outcome for that? Did you guys get say interference between the stories? You know, I, I guess I'll tell you this one. So my, my, this is something that is something that we adopted relatively early on just based on kind of my personal experience in memory competitions. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, I can't remember any specific examples of really experimenting heavily with it, but my sort of yeah. initial feeling based on, you know, my competition experience is just that if you want something to kind of stand on its own and really develop a feeling, like I said, of, you know, like this place being the kind of foregut area, my, my feeling was that I wouldn't want to overwrite palaces. Um, and, and that's not, it's certainly not to say that like, you know, like you said, obviously it can still work. We're not saying that it, it would never work if you overwrite palaces, but our, our thinking was that, okay, well, if we feel like we aren't going to run out of palaces and we're still going to have enough space, then why not, why not? you know, why not Got, yeah. not overwrite things? And the other thing, oh, sorry, were you done? No, go ahead. I mean, no. the other two things was, um, people say med school is like drinking out of a fire hydrant right? It's just like so much stuff all the time. And so it's just, it was definitely, I think, probably easier for us to just kind of go fresh, you know? And then the other thing is, because we intend to use this information kind of in real time in the future, we, it's helpful for us, especially when we're taking tests, and hopefully when we're seeing patients to be able to scan through. Um, And I think that would be easier for us to, you know, say we have a patient with these symptoms, Perhaps we can scan through more clear, more easily, and, and see what everything that's there without trying to juggle that kind of, you know, double images. Right. That make yeah, that makes perfect sense, and that's probably why I'm not in medical school right now, because <laughs> I I would probably just start stacking things on top of each other, and then and then and then when I need to like actually retrieve it, I'm like, wait, I have like ten things on this one location. Which one was which? <laughs> um, right. But uh, but that's yeah, that's a that's a good tip. Yeah, I did it just because I wanted just for fun to learn these things. So. Mm. Right, um, right. So you know, course, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, I was gonna be quizzed on it or whatnot. Um, but but uh, cool, you know, good good uh, good tips there. So, if I could add one more have, thing, so we have the- real quick, just to, just to wrap <laughs> it up, just to, just to kind of support what you were saying. One one actually thing that I do do is, uh, you know, I also use a lot of the same palaces to learn Chinese, um, and so that was kind of a mistake of mine early on, or is that. I, I made these very like, kind of large locations to learn various uh, Chinese tones and things. And so because those were so large, I ended up overlapping a lot of the medical stuff I was learning onto those same palaces. And, and I actually have found that it's usually not too big a problem of those palaces interfering, even though they're in the same place. Um, mm-hmm. And I think part of that is is kind of going back to what you said, which is just what, when you're kind of in the, you know, let's say the Chinese mode, the, the Chinese images just seem to kind of come to you and the medical ones sort of fade away. You know what I mean? They're different. Um, right. And then another, another one of my kind of 
my theories about that is that for the Chinese ones, you know, a lot of those images are on loci that are, I, I've just sort of developed a slightly different way of seeing them. So when I, you know, I saw say like this fountain in, for medicine, I'm using like a particular angle, a particular feeling associated with that fountain. And maybe, you know, I was using a slightly different angle, looking at it from the other side for Chinese or something. And so the, the difference between those two is enough that there's not really much interference, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it perfectly does. Yeah. So, okay. That's a, it's another thing. Uh, I know we're kind of deviating a little bit from what we wanted to get into, but I, I mean, these are questions that people always ask. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So, uh, uh, well, let me, I have one more along this line of what you just said, um, which it's perfectly fine to kind of see locations from different angles. Cause that was one of my biggest hiccups when I was first starting off, even just like memorizing cards, right? I would, I would memorize a card on a location. Let's say it was the chair, you know, the chair I'm sitting on. And I would say, store it up on top of here. And then when I, you know, finish the 52 cards, I would come back to this one to try to recall it. And I would be looking, say, at the armrest instead of like looking here when I was retrieving mm. it. I was like, I have no clue what I stored on there, right? Did I even store anything on there? But it was just because I, I was seeing that location from a different angle, right? Um, so I, I didn't know that like when you're recalling, make sure like to see it from the same angle that you memorize it in. Have you guys encountered anything like that? Well, you you just given a perfect example or any other examples where you're like, um, when you're like recalling information, the, does the viewing of the, the way you see the location, does that affect the recall at all for you? Well, as a like non-professional competitor <laughs> yeah. in this conversation, yeah. you know, I think Alex does a lot of things where um, he will put them kind of small, not to scale. Does that make sense? Kind of mm -hmm. like what you said, right on top of the, the, the chair. So everything I do is more, I guess, more to scale. And so I don't think I really have that problem, but maybe I have no. and I just don't, I can't think of it. But, you know, I, I rarely put things on like a tiny like little person an just on an armrest right because yeah, right. it's just gotcha. easier for me to kind of uh, to create it so that it's more something like a memory of mine and not some sort of like weird little thing but but i know alex does it differently but for me as a non-competitive person that's kind of the trick that i found that helps yeah mine so you use the entire place <laughs> yeah if i'm using the desk somewhere. i'm not gonna like just put it at the little the corner. corner, you know, I'm going to have an elephant like right here at the desk. So it's <laughs> yeah. a little easier. Yeah. You know, my experience is actually for, for medicine is quite similar to Kathy's. I think where, uh, because I'm not using places that I, that I use over and over again, like in memory sports, uh, I usually just tend to pick kind of bigger objects and not really focus on small things. Um, and so things tend to be more to scale and, and I, and I have that problem less. Uh, but it, it, for memory sports specifically, like, like you just said, th that's a huge problem for me is, or, or not, not a huge problem anymore, but it used to be um, yeah. because, when, and, yeah, and so my conclusion was that basically every time I see a locus, I always see it from the exact same angle. Um, and, and you know, that's just something that's sort of developed, um, you know, throughout my, you know, experiences, practice, yeah, practice yeah. is just, I, I just, I have to see those same loci from the same place, same angle. Um, and that is that is the case for those. Got it. Cool. All right. So uh, let's move on. Now that we you know covered locations and people at home or listening from wherever they're at, um, <laughs> they you know here's the thing. I think the biggest takeaway is like 
be okay with creating these locations because that's you know what what the top people are doing right now um you know the the molin family is doing they're creating these locations to store the information so be okay with creating the location and don't get overwhelmed with the with the idea that you have to have thousands of locations right from the get-go before you can get started with learning information you can start just by thinking of your home right now and exactly. then place information along that route just like what we're about to go into uh uh, during the next few examples. So kind of, yeah, I think that, that eases um, some concerns there for, for viewers and listeners at home. Right. Uh, what you guys just answered. So now uh, you're, I, I have what you're actually going to cover. Uh, you sent me the sheet. So we have the foregut. We covered that. That was on the ceiling. Uh, what would be the next thing that you... Right. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll try to run through these a little more quickly, uh, hopefully. So, you know, maybe... You know, when, when I'm thinking of the palace, I, I don't really, I, don't, I never look at pictures or like go to the actual palace, right? So in my mind, I just use the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe it's like the stairs, you know, down sort of there. I don't know if you can see them right there. So, you know, that's, let's make that the mid gut, for instance. So the, I'm going to go ahead and imagine Lionel Messi uh, standing there on top, you know, maybe it's kind of a more miniature version of him standing on those steps, holding up a Vegas, one of those same Vegas signs above his head, like kind of in a victorious way. Uh, and so now I'll explain what those are for. So, so the so that's the mid gut, and then the blood supply to that is the superior mesenteric artery. Um, and so Messi, uh, you know Lionel Messi, world famous soccer player, is kind of re representing that superior mesenteric Messi mesenteric. And then he's kind of looking victorious. So that's kind of how I encoded the superior part. Um, and you'll see that's important because the next thing for the for the hind gut is the inferior mesenteric. So. Um, so he's holding up kind of the, victoriously, you got Messi for mesenteric holding up this Vegas sign. And that's because the Vegas also does the nervous system, the innervation to the mid gut. So he's, you know, got that Vegas sign, mesen, superior mesenteric Vegas. Uh, and then maybe the next place is the kind of couch or I'll just use it over here. You know, maybe we're doing the, that painting there. Maybe that's in my memory palace. Uh, and in hindgut, it's inferior mesenteric for the artery, uh, and pelvic nerve for the nerve. So, you know, again, I'm going to use some sort of messy type image for the mesenteric. So maybe now we have messy on that on that counter there and he's just sort of slumped on the ground feeling like he, maybe he's injured or something like that uh, in a game. And he he's feeling very inferior. So it's inferior mesenteric. Um, and then uh, the innervation is the pelvic nerve. So pelvic, I just think of Elvis. This is the first comes to mind, thing comes to mind. So maybe pelvic thrust. <laughs> so maybe, uh, you got Elvis sort of bending over Messi, you know, seeing what's wrong with him, maybe trying to help. Um, uh, so you just got that, you know, all these images, you know, you can remember the Vegas sign, the you know, ceiling for celiac. You got victorious Messi with the Vegas sign, and you've got Elvis and Messi over here. Uh, and that would just be some quick cues to to key you into the the different blood supplies and innervations. So here's a question that I often get. Yeah. Um, when you're reviewing the information, right? So you're seeing the stories, you're seeing Alvis bending over trying to help out Messi. You have no, many times, especially like during the first like review, you might get one or two like real triggers, meaning you'll get one or two like translations for what that visual represents. But sometimes you're like, I have absolutely no idea what Alvis was doing or what Alvis represented. Does that ever happen to you guys where you're like seeing these images when you're reviewing and you're like, what did that even like why did i picture that person or doing that action does that ever happen to you guys sometimes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and and the way i usually handle that is if it's something that i that i think is not immediately obvious to me why that image is what it is uh in my note of that mnemonic uh so like how they said we, we have you know this way of taking notes i'll write like you know elvis and then i'll write equals pelvic nerve 
you know, and so that way, if there's any confusion, if I think there might be any confusion about what it represents, I, I'll have that note there. and I can always go back and see what it was. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you guys take extensive notes on all of this. It's not just like you're, you're storing it on the location and then you walk away and that's it. Like you, you actually go back and you do um, your note taking uh, on top of like creating these visuals, right? Yeah, it's like you said earlier, right? It's um, it's kind of misleading if you just think about it as like, oh, I put it in there and now I don't ever have to, you know, review it again, right? So that's one of the things yeah. is we do take notes on it. That way we can um, consistently review it in the same way that we, mm -hmm. we encoded it so that it just, you know, we're not kind of imagining something different every time and then it's all messy. Messy. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, cool. And, and so, okay, here's another one. Um, reusing characters or like images that you've already used um, for for other terms. So if you have, is there anything else that, um, that you would use messy for? Or like, and we'll stick with that example just because we used it twice already. So if you ever see like messy again, will that always represent something that has to do with the gut? Or would you use messy like that, that player for a, something completely separate and different if you see that term somewhere else? Um, so we try to keep it consistent so that if we saw messy again, it would be something to do with the mesenteric arteries. Um, and that's yeah. actually part of what Alex was talking about in terms of organization, because that does allow us to kind of quickly scan through and say, you know, where have, seen, where have I seen Messi before? Um, and then you just start having this sense, right? The sense that we were talking about earlier for when you see that image, what it means, all the things associated with it. It's one thing I say is like, you know, if I asked you to think about all the pizza places in your hometown, you can easily think of, you know, where all the pizza was and everything that kind of is associated with those restaurants. And so, when we keep those images consistent, it kind of allows us to do that quick scanning and quick thinking. Yeah. And and so just to add on to that, we you know, we we try to keep those images consistent for sure. The one thing we might do like is we try not to reuse the images. So like if if something else comes up that sort of sounds like messy, I will do my best to not make it messy again just because you know, it, it can sometimes get confusing if you've got a bunch of messies running around that are doing different things. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but what I will say is that, like, if maybe, you know, if, if let's say the inferior mesenteric vein comes up, um, you know, mesenteric veins obviously are a little different than the arteries. Uh, what I might do just to kind of uh, come up with an image for that easily is use some sort of category. And so maybe I'll imagine like a different Argentinian soccer player for the veins, right? So, mm. you know, it'll be... So, you know, every time I think Messi, it'll be just okay. for the mesenteric arteries. And then maybe there's this, you know, maybe it's the Argentine goalkeeper. And, and I, I have no idea who that is, but just kind of the general notion that it's that goalkeeper or somebody else will cue me into it being the mesenteric veins instead of the arteries. Because it does feel related that way. Right. Right. Because then at that point, you're seeing a soccer player. Right. And you're like, wait, okay, well, there was Messi, but that was an artery. Oh, this one must be the vein. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and it would trigger that. So that's... It's a good tip right there. Um, it's kind of like familiar, uh, similar to um, when I memorize names, uh, when we memorize names and faces. So for me, like for every owl, like a owl, I picture the bird, an owl, right? And Alex, I'll picture like an owl flexing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll like change it up a little bit. An Albert is like an owl, but his body is a burrito. So mm. it's just like the top of the head. Yeah. Of the <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like I'll use something similar which is an owl but then i'll like morph it into something else for you you morphed it into like a, another soccer player right so it's still messy in a way but it's just you know a, a soccer player yeah, now yeah. that can trigger that response 
Cool. It's good. Good tip there. Um, cool. So then um, we have the the. Oh, that was a obvious. Uh, well, we did the obvious one at the end. Um, it, we you gave me some examples of pharmacology. Is that how you say pharmacology? Yeah, yeah. Pharmacology. You just perform here. So yeah. just drugs, um, basically. <laughs> just drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of questions about that actually. Like people are always asking, like, how do you memorize drugs and you know their effects, what they do, um, you know, the type of dosage, all that kind of stuff. Like, what specific tips and uh, techniques do you guys use to to help you remember that information? Well, you came up with that one, so. You want to do this one too? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, the, the basic idea, obviously, is is the same as what we've been talking about. Um, and, and so, you know, to, to, to kind of continue on the, this kind of organizational point, you know, eat, oftentimes when we're doing pharmacology, each, like, room or area of the palace will be devoted to one type of drug. Um, so let's say, you know, let's say I'm doing penicillins. So penicillins is a pretty big category, but um, let's say I'm using this uh, this room right here for some of the broader spectrum penicillins. Um, so th those would be like ampicillin and amoxicillin. Okay, so there are these two penicillin drugs, ampicillin and amoxicillin, that have similar, they, they're used to treat similar things. So that's why I'm grouping them together. Um, yeah. So this room is, is for those two. And then let's just say, you know, I wanted to remember the uh, the way that you take them. So one, one kind of important thing is that amoxicillin is taken uh, orally, so in your mouth. Um, versus ampicillin, not as much. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously kind of an unintuitive fact. You know, that's something that would be helpful. You know, you might be good to use memory techniques for, right? So one easy way we might do that, you know, as a kind of alternative example is that uh, amoxicillin has an O kind of close to the beginning of it. So amoxicillin versus ampicillin. Uh, and you might just imagine that that O is a mouth, an open right? Mouth. So that, that, this, is the, this is what Kathy suggested to me. This is how she did it. Um, so that's an easy way that it doesn't even really the word use images. just visually looks like it's an open mouth. Right. right. So that's that's a quick way to do it, and that's that's something that we might do. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be this kind of palace plus image thing. Um, mm -hmm. The way I did it though was on one of the loci in this room. Let's say you know again pretend this room is is those two drugs. I imagine myself on the locus just sort of sitting there eating um, like shells, like ammo. Right. So I just imagine uh, ammo shells. Yeah, ammo yeah. shells. You know, like you know, gun, gun shells. Um, and I just imagine myself eating those, and that cues me into that ammo amoxicillin is the the oral drug. Um, so that's a quick example there. It, let's say we wanted to learn the side effects of those two drugs. So there's three big big ones: um, hypersensitivity reactions, uh, which you know, just kind of like an allergic reaction. A lot of obviously a lot of people are allergic to penicillin, penicillin so that's a pretty yeah. pretty intuitive one. Um, mm -hmm. Another one is rash. So it's also kind of a similar thing. And uh, the last one is pseudomembranous colitis, which basically means like in your large intestine, you know, the drug can kind of damage some bacteria and you'll get this damage to your enterocytes in there, which will cause this membrane to form in your in your colon, in your large intestine. Um, so, you know, so hypersensitivity reactions, rash and pseudomembranous colitis. So I would pick maybe one locus to do those side effects in this room. So let's say that I'm using this computer here. Um, Hypersensitivity reactions. The first thing I thought of was Trump because he's hypersensitive to everything. <laughs> um, so maybe I'm imagine Trump sort of sitting here working on my computer, and maybe imagine he's got his shirt off and there's a big rash on his back. And then okay. uh, for pseudo he is a little orangey. So <laughs> that's yeah, true too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so for the for the other one, pseudomembranous colitis, it kind of looks like a, it's just this like kind of mass of this sheath of cells. And so I I always use my image is a paper, not a paper bag, a plastic bag. 
um, just because it looks kind of similar. So and this kind of gets back to a point, which is I don't always, you know, encode it in a way that it sounds. It could just be the way that the thing looks, right? So pseudomembranous colitis kind of looks like a this plastic bag. So I imagine a big plastic bag just like pulled over Donald Trump's head. So we've got Donald Trump at this computer. He's got a rash in his back and a bag over his head. So, you know, that's hypersensitivity reactions, rash, and pseudomembranous colitis. So, those, you know, th that's the basic way that I would encode information for those two drugs. And then if there were other information, you know, the mechanism of the drug, I would just kind of keep moving around the room, choosing loci as I, as I see fit. Cool. Great, great examples, great visuals. That's uh, another thing you pointed out right there. It's like it doesn't always have to necessarily always have like a direct translation. Like say the word benevolent. For me, I would picture a bone and an envelope just because ban, bone, right? Evelyn, envelope. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, um, that hypersensitivity, you just picture Trump. That doesn't have a direct relation to the word. Um, but it's like w a lot of times when you're looking at these, it's what I like to do is just ask myself, what does it remind me of, right? Um, so it, it, it doesn't always have to be just the bone and the envelope for benevolent. It could be, like you said, um, something more ambiguous, something more abstract such as say a, a trump and then for you um like what you guys said earlier if you guys see that and you see trump there and you're having a tough time coming coming uh like remembering what that was you'll refer back to your notes at that point right or you'll make some extra notes to tell you like hey whenever i see this trump that means hypersensitivity is that kind of how exactly yeah. yeah yeah cool all right do we have uh some more examples Right. Yeah, one. let's take a look. Yeah. Why don't we do this one so we can show that it yeah. doesn't, you know, okay, that's a good anything one. you want. That's a good one. Okay, so the next one we're going to do is like a biochemistry example. Um, biochemistry is like really great for memory techniques, I think. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's very, you know, most of the things don't really make sense, it. right? It's just like stuff you got to know. Um, and so the example we're going to do is basically the, the necessary um, elements or specifically amino acids that you need to make purines. So purine is a type of um, nucleic acid, like in DNA, and you need certain amino acids to, you know, to be part of those that, uh, that, you know. So like the ingredients, you anabolism, know. Anabolism, right. Yeah, the ingredients, exactly. So there's a list basically of important ones that you need. And as far as we can tell, right, there's no like intuitive way to, to understand why these specific ones are there. It's just a list that you gotta know and they'll ask you about it, you know. So this is ripe for memory techniques, right? Um, yeah. So why don't you take the first, the first step? Yeah. So there's four aspartate, glycine, glutamine, and THF, which is tetrahydrofolate. Um, and so when I saw these, you know, like, like you guys have been saying, like, I kind of just want to think of the first thing I think of the thing that I, I feel like it is, you know, it reminds me of. So aspartate yeah. reminded me of asphalt kind of has a lot of the same letters. So mm -hmm. what I did was I, Honestly, I just used an imaginary house. I was kind of walking down this street in our hometown, and I, I know there's a townhouse. I've obviously never been in this stranger's house, but that's like another thing is, you know, I wasn't running out of palaces, but I could just create a palace in my mind. It doesn't have to be a place I've really been. And so what I did was I went through this house, this fake house that I created in my mind, and I put asphalt in for aspartate. Hmm. And for glycine, I thought of ice, glycine, icine. Um, glutamine, I thought of glutes, so like doing a really mean squat 
to work on your mean glutes, <laughs> glutamine, right. and tetrahydrofolate. So that's kind of, we get a lot of folates in biochem when we were memorizing them. And so I've always thought of folate as a foal, like, you know, a baby horse. And so for tetrahydrofolate, like we kind of modify the messy. I just thought of like four horses attached to a carriage. Right. Tetra. Tetrahydrofolate. Four. So these are just the ones that like, you know, immediately pop to my mind. Or in the case of tetrahydrofolate, I was kind of modifying a category, a pre-existing category. Yeah. I see. Now, I, would you picture all of that, like in that imaginary house, like all on one spot, yeah, um, um, like all linking together? Yeah. So the way I did it, I, I like to space my stuff out a little bit more. And so because this is an imaginary house, I could pretty much create it exactly the way <laughs> I wanted to. So I just imagined yeah. this was a townhouse. So on the front door, I imagined a bunch of asphalt just kind of like covering the door so I couldn't get in. And then the front living room is just full of large ice blocks. And then in the bathroom, because I mean, this is my fake house that I'm making, right? There's in the bathroom, it's just someone doing squat glutes, glutamine squats for mm. a mean glute. And then in the in the kitchen in the back, I just imagine this huge carriage with four horses in them. And right. so, you know, because it was my fake so house. So essentially like one image per locus. One image right? per locus. But it was my fake house, right? And then it kind of feels like very connected and melded together. Yeah. yeah and, and, uh, just to take that on, we thought it could be interesting, you know, to show my images versus Kathy's images and, and show kind of how they were different. Uh, you know, hopefully that could be helpful to people. Um, so for these same four, I think all so all of my images are different um, for, for all of them. Uh, and so just to start out, I um, the palace that I was using at this time was this place just just outside this old building on the Old Miss campus that we used to we both used to work in. Um, which happens to be a pharmacy building. Um, and so there are these big long steps. And so I imagined basically a, a shuffleboard kind of little piece, you know, gliding right down those steps. And then basically there's someone at the top using a glue, uh, using like Elmer's glue to try to like get it to come back up, like to pull it up with this big stream of glue. Um, so those represent you know, the shuffleboard and it's gliding represents the glycine. Uh, and then the glue represents glutamine. Um, so that you know, these are obviously different image from Ka different images from Kathy's, um, and then those are two images that I put on that locus, and then I'll move kind of down those steps, and there's this parking lot nearby, and so for there I just imagine Bart Simpson hitting a t-ball. So there's Bart Simpson for aspartate, uh, and then the t-ball kind of reminds me of THF, um, and and I use unlike Kathy, I use baseball bats for uh, for anything to do with folate, and so the t-ball kind of reminds me that it's TH folate so tetrahydrofolate um so i've got the, you know those the glue and the, and the gliding shuffleboard and then aspartate bart hitting the t-ball thf got it all right so it's okay you know this is two two great methods of, of you you can just space it out put one image or one association per location or you can combine them and create like a nice little story with two or do you ever put more than two like I'm pretty sure you can possibly like create this this uh, one story along that that railing or the, the stairs where you have all four of them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just like linking back to back to, uh, to each other. So I mean, it's okay to use both. At the end of the day, I think for people, it's like test it out, right? Test out what method works for you. If you're like if you're having a hard time with seeing, like let's say you store four things in one spot and one one locus and you're like man I, I i'm just having a hard time recalling say the third thing or the second thing then space it out do what kathy does she spaces it out and puts one on each location um it doesn't have to all we, we don't all have to use the same exact method um but at the end of the day it's just all about using your creativity mm -hmm. uh to come up with these associations and then 
the actual method on how to do it. Just play with it on your own and see what works best for you. Because I, I get a lot of people asking me, so what do you do specifically for this one right. thing? I'm like, well, this is what I... So do I have to do it that way? I'm like, you know, test it out. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, change it up. See what works for you, what works best for you. Um, so yeah, everybody has their own, their own little, you know, side methods of, of doing things. Exactly. That's good. I like I like the fact that you guys gave me examples. And not only that, but the images. The images were like pretty much completely different. Yeah, they right? were. Um, the images were different. The locations were different. So um, it, it's what you think of when you're looking at that piece of information. Um, and when you're reciting now, with that being said, um, do you guys right, do, uh, right now, do you guys take classes together? Like the same, cl same type of classes? When we, uh, well, we're not in class right now, but when we do, we're all every, you know, every person in our, you know, 140 of us are all in the same class. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, so, just to be clear, we, we're, um, we finished our second year last year and we're actually taking a year off from school. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so we're not in class right now. <laughs> So when you guys were, uh, during your second year, um, when you guys were taking the same classes, did you guys ever like sit down and like actually come up with the same associations for the information that you're learning? Or did you guys separately say, okay, I'm going to focus on this subject and I'm going to cover it, use my locations and my uh, stories, and then we kind of come together. What was your process there when you guys were taking the same classes? Uh, we mostly worked individually. I think because as the last example showed, the things that really pop in your mind can pop up can vary, right? Alex will have people who do sports and stuff, and I, I don't because I just can't, you know, <laughs> it's just harder for me. I see. Um, so we mostly worked individually, but I will say if we got stumped, I, there was never any hesitation for me to say, what what image did you use, you know? Yeah, so we, we often, I mean, exactly what she said, we often, but we often did this thing where we would, because often the hardest part of doing this is, is thinking of that image for the for the association, you know, like for Bart Simpson Aspartate or whatever. Um, so what, what I might do is just be sitting here and be like, uh, I'm having some trouble with, you know, an image for methimazole, let's say, which is just some, you know, a drug. Um, and then Kathy was like, oh, I used a, a Thin Mint for that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Thin Mint, that's pretty good. The mm -hmm. methimazole Thin Mint. Um, so we would often just kind of ask each other image images like that. Got it. Okay. So mainly worked individually, but whenever you guys were stumped, you guys would refer back to each other. Yeah. That's cool. Who, who, who had the best ideas usually when you guys would ask each other? Uh, who would ask who more? Was it Alex? I'm pretty sure it was Alex. I, Alex I asked Kathy a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as good as you think I might be at coming up with images, um, I am often asking Kathy, Kathy for help. Yeah. For, for good images. She, she has, she has good ones like Thin Mint, Methimazole. That's a pretty yeah. slick one. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're the go-to, huh? <laughs> well, you know, on that note, like one thing I really struggled with, because, you know, Alex and you guys have been doing this for a long time um, and you are trained to do it kind of quickly, like in this element of time, you know, um, for me, like when I first started, I was really, really specific about how I wanted it to sound and I wanted it to be kind of perfect like you know at the beginning aspart aspartate right or glycine i would never just use ice for glycine i'd be like oh that's too that's too far removed I, I can't i can't do that and i would it would take me a really long time to encode anything because i would just have to make it perfect and but now i'm much more comfortable just saying this is what i think of i'm okay with it i'll review it and i'll get it yeah exactly the tendency for a lot of people starting out can be like you know, let's say I'm learning methimazole, right? They might imagine like, okay, meth, him, like, so you've got like some sort of guy doing meth and then he's using some sort of like, and you imagine like his soul leaving his body or something. It's like, 
for methimazole, you know, like you put all of these things together. And, and that's not really what we do anymore. You know, that was kind of another thing we started to do was just, okay. we, we found that, you know, after a couple of reviews, you know, like we've been saying, those associations stick pretty well. And, and you, you don't really need to kind of have that perfect audio connection. You know, you, it becomes very quick to associate, let's say, Trump with hypersensitivity reaction, you know, so you don't need to have like a exactly. really complicated image just to, just to cue that. In. Just, it's just about getting some sort of cue, some sort of simple visual cue. Yeah. Quicker. It's the same as when we're like trying to memorize lyrics to songs, right? Um, or we're like, or we're, when we hear a song on repeat on the radio, um, and we might know the full lyrics, but if right, like while it's playing, but if I ask you right now, hey, like, can you start from like the middle section of that Taylor Swift song? I don't know any of your songs. Yeah, okay. let's say you know the Taylor Swift song. You'll probably be like, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know where to start. But if you hear the like one or two words, boom, like that entire chorus section. Exactly. Is that's a that's right? a perfect example. Choose yeah, same in. kind of yeah. thing. Cool. So it's all about the review because that's you know radio stations they they're pros at this. They have us forcefully review these songs over and over yeah. again in a space period of time, right? So it's not like they play the song and then right away they play it, you know, back to back to back, but they play the song and then an hour, two hours from now, they'll play the song again. So um, let me ask you about that. So when you're reviewing, what's your process with reviewing? How often and um, like how, how often do you space it out when you're like, okay, I have to go back and review all the gut information that I memorized, <laughs> or all the, you know, pharmacology information, you know, how often do you guys review? Do you want to? That's kind of your thing. Uh, is it? I don't uh, know. Well, <laughs> okay, so we, we actually do something very uh, particular for reviewing, um, and that is that we use a program, like a software called Anki, um, to basically take all of our notes. So it, it's essentially like a flashcard program where, you know, you know, you'll write like some sort of question on the front and the answer on the back, right? And the way this program works is it's what's called a spaced repetition program, so it uses an algorithm to basically give the card back to you to review it uh, at certain points in time. So like, and it's called spaced repetition because the time that you review it will space out more and more in time because theoretically you've gotten to know the information better, right? So if I learn, you know, hypersensitivity, rash, and pseudomembranous colitis for those two drugs, maybe, maybe Anki will give that card back to me, say, on day two, right, or day four. Uh, and then, so I'll do it then and assuming I got it right then, then it'll come back and give it to me again to review like on day, you know, 12 or, or 15 or something. And then after that, it would be like, you know, two months from now. So it kind of spaces it out more and more. And then if it's something that comes back that you've forgotten, it'll kind of kick it back to the beginning. Um, so you'll see it more often. So it's, the idea is that the things that you know, well, you don't review very often, the things that you do know, or that you don't know, you review more often. Uh, so that's that's how we do our mm -hmm. review process, um, and we kind of let Anki do all the hard work of scheduling the, the reviewing <laughs> for us. Cool. And then, uh, is this uh, software uh, on Windows and Mac, or it is. How, yeah. how would somebody get? Yeah, it's just a free. Just Google, it. just Google Anki. I think the website is ankisrs.net. Um, so ankisrs.net, um, and. Yeah, one of the one of the really, I've sort of become like a, a kind of amateur Anki salesman because I, I talk about it a lot. <laughs> we use it a lot. But basically, it's it's free for computers, you know, Mac PC, but you can also get an app on your phone. Unfortunately, for iPhone, it's like twenty five dollars, um, which is steep um, for an app. But you know, we we use it so much that it was kind of an easy, it's it's, it. well worth it. Yeah. So to be able to do it on a computer, see it on any device that you've got. 
um, it's it's great to be able to just carry your notes with you wherever you go. Yeah, and the other thing is, um, because it's in this flashcard format, it does force you to be more active learn, uh, more active learner. You know, mm. you see the question, you don't just like we don't just you know click to see the answer. You kind of slows right. you down, makes you yeah. think about it. You know, which that's is an just important part of the general... process too. We don't just reread notes, right? You're kind of always quizzing yourself rather than just just rereading things kind of passively. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a great. I use uh, Quizlet. Have you guys ever tried using? Yeah, Quizlet? it's similar. Yeah, yeah. I have not yeah. used Quizlet personally, but I I, it, I assume it's the same thing. Yeah, similar, from what, yeah, I've, what yeah. I've seen. It, it doesn't uh, automatically tell you like when to review information again, but um, it, it does have like a star app option. So what I do is like if I'm having a tough time with one particular card, mm -hmm. I'll just star it myself. So I have to like manually put a star, right. and right. then uh, and then after I'm done with a set, so let's say half of them. Um, I was kind of uneasy about. I can just press the stars, and then all the ones that I starred, boom, pop up, and all the ones that I've already kind of I'm more familiar with um, go off to the side. Right. So, okay, it's 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 very similar. I mean, it's like yeah. when you know, I used to make index cards all the time for school, right? But now it's better. It's just like all on my phone, and I never lose it. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're saving trees, right? Exactly. Right. That's the most important you're part. Cutting, right. Um, cool. Um, now, listen, I can keep talking to you guys. For, for hours about this. And I know many students out there have also a lot of questions. Um, and you have some more examples here, but um, actually I, I probably won't get into those right now unless you guys really want to. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But <laughs> to wrap, I think, you know, the examples that we gave, that was, that was really good, strong examples on how to really apply this to school, to, your, to their studies. Um, and just wrapping up, uh, what are some like major tips outside of, you know, the memory techniques are powerful, they're great, right? When, when to use them, um, they're, they're very helpful. But that's not all that it takes for you to become a successful student uh, or successful in anything in particular, but specifically right now for school, you need other things such as the right mindset, yeah. you know, such as having other motivational factors to really push you through school because there's gonna be ups and downs and um, it's not always just about studying, it's about other factors that come into play when you're in school. So what are some tips um, that you would give to right now, say even first year college students, um, that maybe just finished their first semester or going into their first semester, what would you give, what, what advice would you give to those types of students to kind of help them out throughout the college and university experience? My big one, and I always say this, is use the Pomodoro technique. And you've probably you heard of this, mine. Lewis. Oh, okay, so we're both big on this, yeah. we're both big on this. Um, I'm pretty sure I taught her how to do this, just just to clear the air. Okay, all right. Side note. <laughs> That's the most. I invented way. this. I, just... I didn't invent it, but I, I brought it. Yeah, no. You brought it into this family, and now it's a big deal in our family. Um, so the basic idea is that you want to work for a concentrated period of time, but then allow yourself um, a dedicated break so that your mind can rest, your eyes can rest. And so what we do is 25 minutes on. And during that time, you don't check your email, you don't look at your phone, you don't fidget with your music, you don't do anything. And it's short enough that you can tell yourself, my gosh, I can do anything for 25 minutes. I can have self-discipline for 25 minutes. And then you take five minutes off and you rest, you get up, drink water, go to the bathroom, and then you do that. And then every four cycles, you can have a 15 minute break. And since starting it, and you can, you know, it's probably the same for you, you really realize how much time 25 minutes is and how much you can really get done if I'm not looking at my phone, you know, checking Facebook. Yeah, another thing I'll do is I like to just keep track of the number that I've done, number of Pomodoros that I've done. So every time I finish one, I'll go over to our fridge and I have this little paper where I'll just 
put a little tally mark. Um, and that way I can keep track. Like, like, you know, at the end of the day, if I've done like, you know, 16 Pomodoros, that was a, a good day, you know, and I, can, I can kind of motivate myself that way to, to get enough done so that if I do, you know, maybe only like seven, I'm like, okay, well, you know, didn't get that much done today. Um, and sort of motivate myself that way. Yeah. Uh, another nice thing I like about it is, you know, it can be a little daunting. Like, you know, if you just say, okay, I'm going to spend today studying for like 10 hours. Like she said, there, there's obviously no way you can just study 10 hours straight and be a sane person <laughs> afterwards. So it's nice to have these little breaks in there um, built in. You know, you can last 25 minutes and then just take that break. And then during that break, you can also like I, I like to just like get out a book and like read or like watch a YouTube video or something. And, and that way, like I have these kind of set periods of time where I can give myself some sort of reward. And, you know, by the end of 10 hours, even if I'm studying for 10 hours, I feel I felt like I got this sort of you know, little dopamine hits throughout that time to keep me going to feel like by the end of that time, I wasn't just like, you know, boring myself out of my mind or anything like that. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we like that method. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, you know, if, I, if I'll say something else, uh, you know, a thing that I like to do uh, in terms of productivity or whatever, uh, I think one good thing is for, for students is to try to come up, you know, get a pretty consistent daily routine. And so a big part of that, for instance, would be waking up at the same time every day. Um, so if you kind of do that and, and you and you wake up at the same time every day and you know that you you kind of are supposed to finish breakfast by point X and this thing by point Y, then you you can get into a routine that cuts down on the amount of kind of wasted transition time that you that you have throughout the day. And I think that tends to make people more productive. So this is what I mean about him being really disciplined, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So gotta stick to that schedule because yeah, I mean, even like let's say we we're using the Pomodoro method and you're taking the breaks you schedule five minutes and sometimes you're just like we'll get another five minutes oh wait another 10 right, minutes another, right. you know whatever so you want to you're you're off track now and then you're uh you know a few hours deep into your break that should have spent you know right. taking five minutes so um like you said you know set a schedule and, and force yourself to you know keep that schedule and it does become easier the more that you do it, it becomes a habit Definitely. after a while right where you do it several times and at first you're gonna have to force yourself to go through it but then afterwards it's just like all right i guess I'm, it's a habit now I'm, it's like brushing your teeth at that point right? yeah it's more of a unconscious activity yeah um cool so now um when it comes down to preparing for say an actual exam mm -hmm. right finals midterms whatnot was it did you change up strategies or was it something else that you added to your actual study habits when you were getting ready to do something like that like doing your midterms or exams or final exams um i think one thing that we like to do is to incorporate questions into our routine. practice tests, practice tests, you know, um, even getting with a friend and just quizzing each other because that forces you out of the memory palace and into this kind of problem solving mode. So I, I think that's pretty easy to understand. Yeah. Not... I mean, the way, so the way Anki works is that, you know, when you wake up every day, Anki will have like a, a set of cards saying you're supposed to review these cards today. So ideally what we try to do, you know, every day is in the morning, we just, we get those review cards done. Um, and that and that's pretty much consistent throughout our schedule. So whether or not we're taking an exam, whether or not we're on a break, whatever. Um, and then on top of that, like like Kathy said, we we like to do a lot of practice questions because that's obviously uh, a hugely important step that is is slightly different from just kind of the brute recall of Anki um, that gets you kind of thinking a little bit more abstractly and, and if uh, you're that's all very important, obviously. If you're talking with somebody else, you kind of learn from the other person, right? So right. that's really helpful. That's good. So practice with other people, um, 
you know, quiz each other, quiz, quizzing yourself ahead of, or before those exams yeah. uh, come in handy. Um, all right, cool. So, I mean, again, I can keep asking you these questions. I appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys' time. Just to wrap up here, how can people find out about uh, what you guys do as far as like, you know, your services, coaching other people, because you work a lot with other individuals. You were just in Washington. Um, you, you were at John Hopkins doing a presentation, right? You were teaching other people how to take these techniques and apply it to their life. So how can people reach you if they want to learn more about what you guys do and what you guys offer? Yeah, so our main, you know, presence is, is mullenmemory.com. So M U just our last name, M-U-L-L-E-N, memory.com. Um, and, you know, if you go on there, there's all kinds of, you know, our, our sort of tagline is, you know, free resources, exploring memory techniques as learning tools. So, you know, everything on there is, is free. There's videos, there's tips. Um, and, and you can just kind of look around there and see what we've got. You know, we have it. We haven't put like a ton of stuff on, you know, as quite as much information as we want to put on there, but there's still a lot of good stuff that I think people will, will enjoy and find useful. Um, and we've also got a couple of different, you know, social media things, Facebook page, Twitter, um, if you want to just follow those or, or subscribe with your email through the website to, we'll put uh, new information out to keep there. up with, with what's, you know, new things that we post and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, hope to see. I mean, I love your guys' videos. They're very informative, uh, very <laughs> educational. So keep making them. Thank keep you, Lewis. Uh, I'm, I'm subscribed, so uh, <laughs> make sure everybody else, you guys are subscribed to, to their channels and, and everything else that they have going on. So I'll post all the links to that down below or somewhere here so you guys can check that out. Uh, make sure to follow them. And in closing, what are just, you know, some of the goals that you guys want um, in the next year or two uh, for yourselves uh, in any field, really, career-wise or education-wise? Um, now, what are your goals in the next, you know, one or two years? Well, we hope to graduate. That's the big one. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in June we're going to, and I hope we both, well, for me at least, but my goal for both of us is I hope that we're able to find a career that's meaningful for us and pick the specialty that's a good match for us and will allow us to be excited and happy about what we do. Yeah, I mean, so obviously we're kind of excited about a lot of this memory technique stuff that we do, and that's, you know, hopefully going to be a big part of our future, but also you know, the, the big thing really for me, and like Kathy just said, for the next four four to five years or so is is kind of getting into the hospital more, which is something we haven't really done and, and figuring out what specific things we like and, and what specialty we want, we want to do. And, and so that's obviously going to be a big part yeah. of the, of the, Medi- of the I mean, me, you know, we love memory, right. but medicine is also <laughs> a big interest of ours. That's your passion, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there are some pretty interesting ways that medicine and memory can overlap, which, you know, hopefully we can, we can start to explore a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love it. All right. Um, thank you. How long was this? Is this like a few hours? <laughs> over an hour? Um, cool. Uh, I appreciate you guys' time. Remember, uh, you guys can always check them out. Links down below, molinmemory.com. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you on the next interview. Peace out. We out.